Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. For you guys who don't know me, my name is Sean, and I'm the lead pastor here at Northeast Community Church, and I'm just grateful that you guys decided to come and worship with us this morning. All the visitors, we greet you. Uh, you're always welcome here. Um, one more announcement I forgot to give Darius this morning, because it's one of those mornings. There will be no students tonight at 5.30. Um, they had their holiday party last week, and I heard there was over 40 kids in here eating omelets and breakfast. And they're nodding their heads. Yeah, they they couldn't do it two weeks in a row. So if you're a parent, don't bring your child tonight, or y'all be at the door looking looking sad. Yeah, go and enjoy your holidays. And so we are closing our Advent season. Um, we've been, for the last four weeks, we've been talking about the coming of Christ and what that means and what that means that he's came, he has already come and that we are uh, anticipating his second coming and he is here now in our hearts and in our life. And so in week one, we talked about uh, Christ being our hope. We followed that up with Christ being our peace. And last week we said Christ was our joy. And so for you guys who haven't been a part of this series, I've been opening a gift every uh, every week to display and give us an understanding. Uh, and so we can take those with us uh, and we can um, think about it through the week. And so last week uh, we had the great idea of giving uh, Super Bowls, bouncy balls. And some of y'all that sit in the front of the room, you don't see in the back of the room, they were back there throwing balls and they bouncing all down the thing. And so I don't know. So this week we're going to talk about Christ being the ultimate form of love. Y'all might be saying, that is a Hershey's kiss. What are you talking about, Christ being the ultimate form of love? Well, statistics show that uh, billions of dollars are spent every year doing the season of Valentine's Day, February 14th, right? Uh, and it says that half of adults in America celebrate Valentine's Day for one reason, shape, form, or another. See, I personally celebrate Valentine's Day because it's peer pressure. <laughs> I love my wife, 365, I do, 365. That one day a year, I don't need to go buy you a box of chocolate, no jewelry to let you know I love you because I'm just from the old school. I love you. But it's peer pressure because if I don't do it, then... I do love her, Rosie. If I, I'm just cheap, she said. If I don't do it, then you, it was perceived that I don't love you. And so we buy gifts as this display of love, right? Nothing changes on the inside of me, but this is the display that says on the inside of me, this is an outward expression of that inward feeling, right? And did you know that Hershey's chocolate, not that Hershey's chocolate, chocolate is the number one sold item on Valentine's Day. Better than cars and diamonds, yes, yes, we cheap. I'm going to give you, some, give you some dark chocolate this Valentine's Day. Baby, I told you I loved you. So according to the stats on Valentine's Day, Hershey's Kisses are the ultimate act of love. Well, I don't agree with those stats. I don't agree that this outward expression of buying chocolate shows that you love, right? Um, 
there are other ways of displaying love. And we're going to talk about some of those this morning, of which Jesus Christ came and did all of. He came and he did all of these things to show that he loves us. But here's the challenge this morning. How many of us are experiencing that love? Don't raise your hand yet because we're going to get into it. Just walk right in front of me while I'm preaching, Isaac. It's okay. So in essence, we celebrate love by displaying it with gifts. That's what we do. Anyway, y'all are distracting on this front row. Y'all all get a whooping when y'all get home. I'm sorry. And so chocolate supposedly says, I love you. It's an outward display, and it re reflects an inward reality. Um, that's why when we watch movies, we want that outward display to be given. Any Hallmark Channel watchers in the room, raise your hand, hot, loud and proud. Look, all the women, all the women, all the women. I'm going to let y'all know right now, I got cable just for Hallmark Channel. I cut the wire. They don't put the Hallmark movies on Netflix. They don't put that. So we got to have cable just for the Hallmark channel. And my wife says, babe, you watch a Hallmark movie with me. I said, I know how it ends. I know exactly what's going to happen. Every movie is the same. This one lady, she's, she, 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 you know, she's, she's working in corporate America, and she, she's too good, and she don't have time for love. And then she moved back to the country where she's from, and there's a dude on a track that sweeps her off her feet. They switch it up. She a doctor. She a lawyer in one of them. She like Barbie in one of them. She a dentist. And in every one, she gets swept off her feet by the end. But here's the thing. In the movies, and I watch it with my wife because I love my wife. Quality time is a form of love. Yes, it is. And so I'm watching the movie with my earbuds in. But I'm watching the movie, and I look up every once in a while. Oh, she's a chef. Oh, okay, okay. She doesn't have time for love. But she really starts loving the guy, but she don't know how to tell the guy that she loves him. And the directors know this. And so they paint this picture, and you're like, just say it. Just let him know you love him. You're going to lose him. Right? And we sit there, and we go, oh, just say it. And then something else happens. Her ex-boyfriend comes to town, and it looks like they kissed, but they really didn't kiss. Like, she, he kissed her, but she turned like this. And he walks up, and he sees it, and he's so distraught. that he, And I'm like, just tell him you love him. Because inside of us, we know that we need to display love, and love needs to be experienced. And both of them are sitting there miserable because they're not experiencing the love. And that is the Hallmark Channel in a nutshell. <laughs> we're going to pass the tide plate, and we're going to go on our plan. We don't pass the bucket here. And so, how do we know that someone loves us? One way that we show that we love a person is spending time with that person. You spend the time with the person that's an object of your affection. Another way is sacrificing oneself for another. And that's a display of love. Another way is a public declaration. Declaration. These all happen in the Hallmark movies. I love you. I don't care. Who knows that? No, I don't care. I love you. My wife gets so annoyed when I do stuff like that. And finally, gifts. You give gifts to show that we love. And the more sacrifice, the more that it costs us, the more that love 
his receipt. In this season, we celebrate Jesus, who not only did all of these things I just mentioned, but he brought himself as a gift. He brought himself as a gift. And so today we're going to talk about Christ being the ultimate example of love. And perhaps um, some of you are not experiencing that love to the fullness. Dare I say many of us are not experiencing that love to the fullness because there's something on the inside of us that just doesn't connect and understand with what he really did. Yeah, I love you, but. Yeah, I love you, but. Love is only supposed to be displayed by the initiator. It's not only supposed to be displayed by the initiator. It's supposed to be experienced by the recipient. Now, I can, and I keep using my wife as an example because that's the ultimate display of love here on earth. It's the, 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 the husband and the wife. It signifies Christ and the church. And I love her, but it would do me no good to just say I love her if she didn't experience that love. And many of us, we understand that Christ loves us here, but we're not experiencing it here. It's not changing our life. It's not changing the way we walk. It's not changing the way that we treat others. And too often we allow the hurts of our life negate the love of others trying to get that, that others are trying to give us. We talked about this years ago in a series that was uh, done by Ryan Rush. He actually wrote a book about it called Walls. And so when we're hurt and we're hurting, we put up these walls. And here's the thing. We put up these walls because we want to keep people out. But those same walls that we build up to keep people out, keep God out. And our pain and our anguish. And the me, me, me stuff keeps us from experiencing the fullness of Christ's love. I told this example in the Christmas sermon uh, about three years ago. And so y'all going to hear it again. If you've been here for three years and you heard the story, if you haven't, hey, it's good. Don't worry about it. And so we were building this house out in Elgin. Some of the people in the room remember the house. You helped me put stuff onto this house. This house was a head A. Have you ever seen the old movie Money Pit with Goldie Hawn? This was that times 10. Like, this was just horrible. It was a horrible experience. And so uh, I ended up, I was working in IT at the time. Now, I was a technical architect, not an architect. You know what I'm saying? I don't know nothing about no houses. I build software. And so uh, I was a technical architect, and so I didn't know any of this stuff. And so I'm learning on YouTube at the time. And YouTube back then wasn't what YouTube is now, so it wasn't that much stuff on there. And I'm going to the bookstore, and I'm buying books, and I'm trying to figure this out. Long story why I got there, but I'm having to finish the house myself. I, 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 we had bought acreage. My wife loved horses. The girls love horses. I say, I love y'all. I'm going to do this for y'all because I don't really like horses, man. I really don't like horses like that. I don't. And I don't like having to clean up after no horse. Don't get nothing doing that. And so anyway, I did that for them. And so I was out there as a display of my love. I'm going to build a deck on the backside of the house. And so the deck actually wrapped around the entire house. And so I went online and I learned that you have to put these lines and it's a string that you use in order to level the deck, right? And so you tie them up and you measure them. You got, and my buddy let me use one of the uh, protractor or something. I forgot what it's called. And you look and you shine the light and then you put, and you put the line up and then the boards are lined up with the line. Everybody's tracking with me. That's how it works, right? And so anyway, and so I do that the night before because the next day I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to get on this deck. I'm going to knock this deck out, Willie. It's time for the deck to be up. Well, we had a bunch of cats. Now, one cats that I wanted, but some one of my kids wanted cats, and so as a display of love, 
they got these cats, right? And they were country cats. We out in Elgin, country cats. And so anyway, we got these cats. And before we can get them neutered, like the cats just ran away. They wouldn't even let us touch them. And like we're on acreage, and I'm not chasing this cat. So yeah, you go in the woods, and if you come back, we have food out for you. They come back and they eat, and they were feral cats, right? And so they would come every morning to eat. And before I knew it, two cats turned into like 77 cats. I don't know, it was like lives of cats. And it was cats everywhere, and kittens, they would follow. And anyway, and so this morning I came out, and all the cats were just out there meowing, like, like this, this low groan. I thought, what is happening? And I looked down, and one of the poor kittens had got caught in the stream. His paw, I, I was going to say hand, mijo. Cats don't have hands. So don't go to school and tell them they have hands. And so this cat's paw was caught and wrapped up in the string. And so his paw was swollen like six to eight times bigger than it was supposed to be. And it was just, man, it was flailing. And the other cats were like, I, I want to help you, but I don't know how to help you. And I'm trying to get close to these feral cats. But, you know, when you get close to a feral cat, feral cats scatter. The mama didn't run too far. And she would just sit there and she just groan and moan. And this one, every time I tried to get close to unwrap his little paws, he would just hiss and and so I'm sitting there making a business decision. I'm sitting here and there's like 77 cats looking at me like, it's going to be on in your world if you get too close. So our brother, cousin, sister, I don't even know what kind of cat it was. And I wanted to help the cat. Like, I really felt bad. Like, when you see a cat in that condition, you're like, oh, Lord, gee. I'm, like, I'm not even a cat person, but I, my heart bled for the cat. I wanted to help the cat. I wanted to be the cat's savior. The cat wouldn't allow me. I wanted to show the cat compassion and love. The cat was in so much pain, it wouldn't allow me. And so I did the only thing that I could, and I set the cat free. I got, and I didn't get too close to set the cat free. I snipped the rope. And the cat took off running. Still, the rope's around the hand. It's still swollen. He's gone. He's free. And I thought to myself, and y'all might think I'm weird about saying this, Ethan. Ethan, I always think I'm weird. Um, what if I could have became a cat? It is pretty weird, right? What if I could have became a cat? And went and talked to the cat in cat terms, say, calm down, Mr. Cat, we're going to set you free. The cat would have felt the compassion that I had for it if I could become a cat. And y'all, let's see. Y'all so caught up in becoming a cat that you're forgetting what I'm trying to say. I'd be a cute cat, wouldn't I? You'd get me distracted from my sermon, wife. Stop it. But that's what Jesus did. He sent his prophet to tell us that he loves us. And that God is holy. And if we want fellowship with him, we just needed to live our lives in a certain way. We sent his prophet and we murdered the prophet. We gave the prophets the fist. Jesus said, okay, do something else. Let me do something else. Let me go down and become like that. With all of the pain, 
with all of the infirmities, with all the things that they go through. Let me go down and become like them. Do you not understand the gravity of God becoming like us? Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30 talks about the virgin, the virgin will give birth and his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do you understand the gravity of that? Listen, this doesn't even, this, like all my examples really break down at some point, but if you could become a roach, all of y'all said, ill. Can you imagine? God has to humble himself to become an ill human. With all of our infirmities, with all of our weaknesses, God has to become a man and go to the bathroom like we go to the bathroom. Some religions, that is so offensive. You mean to tell me Jesus is God and he went to the bathroom? Ill. But to display his love, he came in the form of a lowly human. And we didn't get it. As a matter of fact, we crucified him. You know, no, there was a Roman, no, we, our sins crucified him. And so if that wasn't enough, he went back into heaven. He was resurrected and raised on high. He's back in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father, and he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in those who will give their lives to him. And so he's given us the most precious gift. Not only is it a gift that it allows us to connect with God, but it's a gift that is a down payment that says that I'm coming back for you. And so he became human. He died. He resurrected. He sent his Holy Spirit. Still don't get it. You take nothing else from today. Understand that God so desperately wants you to experience his love. Not just know he loves you, but experience it. Let's put some Bible on it, then we'll go on. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. We're going to read this together. Oh, we're going to read it. We're going to pull out some points from it. And we're going to let you guys go, because we're coming right back to church tomorrow night. So I won't be long. And if you know me, that means absolutely nothing. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. And it reads, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being grounded I mean, rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so Paul basically said, 
for this reason I pray. He said, for this reason I bow my knees. What reason is that, Paul? So that the believers can be empowered to experience God's love. Paul says, this is the reason I pray. I want you guys to understand, to get, grab hold to, to lay hold to this experiential love that surpasses all of your ability to understand it. That surpasses all of your ability. Like, it, 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 his love is just so unfathomable. Like, why do you still love me? Why would you become a, like, why, God? There's nothing good on the inside of me. And so when we're hurt, though, we see that there's nothing good on the inside of us, and we try to stand and build a wall and say, you know what? Like, God, like, don't look at me. I'm hideous. And God is saying, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm God, and I see past all of that. I'm God, and I see through all of that. And I want you to experience me in your current condition because your current condition will change once you start experiencing me. And some of you may be saying, that sounds fine. That sounds good. That sounds dandy. But how? You see, sometimes we can read scripture. We can understand some stuff intellectually. But how do I get that down into my heart? And this is the difference. This is the difference between marginal Christians and disciples. Because disciples then turn and do the work. And when somebody hears work in church, sometimes we get scared. We go, oh, he's talking about work. I'm not talking about works for salvation. I'm talking about works through sanctification. What do I mean by that? You don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to wake up and pray. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to do all this stuff in order to be saved. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And he says, you shall be saved. Done deal. Walk through the line. Lord, here I am. Have my heart. Give your heart to him. And you're saved. But God is talking about this experiential thing. This thing that sanctification means I'm learning to be more like Jesus. And as I come closer to him and draw closer to him and get the fullness of who he is, it just emanates out of me and my life changes. It doesn't mean that my life doesn't have hardship or challenges. We talked about that last time. We talked about joy. But what it means is I have joy in the midst of it. And so if you're here today and you realize that you're not experiencing the fullness of this joy, I'm going to give us a few things that I strongly believe will challenge our hearts and give us the ability to walk with him in a different way. Look at verse 17. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. That's the same word we used a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this abiding. He may dwell in your heart like God has taken tabernacle, not only in the form of Jesus, but in your heart. You begin to say, Lord, you are Lord of my life. You have lordship over my house. You have lordship over my mind. Listen, God, you have lordship over the way that I think. So if I'm thinking in ways that contradict what you say, I should think like, then, Lord, I'm going to change because you are Lord. 
And what we don't understand, what keeps us from experiencing God's love so much is our stinking thinking. He wants to fill us and we want to leak all day long. Get in traffic, leak. Wife burn the eggs, leak. Kids get a D, leak. And God is constantly trying to fill us and we're just leaking. Neighbor act a fool, leak. Supervisor starts talking sideways because they got a new uh, uh, promotion, leak. And we allow these things to steal our joy and we're saying we have this experience with God. Now watch this. We do that so you may be rooted and grounded in love. Our love walk is off. That you may be rooted and grounded in love. That love is your foundation. And I can tell if you experience the love of God by how you love others. We got a lot of growing up to do, church. We do. I can tell how you experience God's love by how you love others. Now watch this. You're rooted and grounded in love. It says, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, the church. What is the breadth, length, height, and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's saying, you get love totally. You understand love. You understand what all them folks been writing them songs about for so many years. Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? Teddy Pendergrass, love TKO. Love Shack, I don't even know who sang that. But you get a PhD in love when you allow God to strengthen you. Who wants a PhD in love? Don't raise your hand. But wow, that's mind-blowing. And so Paul gives his experience, gave this compelling argument here to the church in Ephesus for us to experience God's love to the full. Listen, God's love is supposed to be experienced first and foremost by us, then through us. First and foremost by us, and then through us. Because listen, when you start getting the height and the depth and the width of God's love, and you have this fullness of life, you just can't keep it to yourself. I can remember my kids used to work at the movie theater, and you see, y'all, if y'all ain't never worked at the movie theater, y'all don't know this, but at the end of the day, that popcorn got to go somewhere. Abundance of popcorn. I'm not talking about like a couple of bags. I'm talking about trash bags. They walk in the house with trash bags and popcorn. And I'm like, take that popcorn somewhere else. First time, I was like, score popcorn! Then I'm like, leave it in your car. Don't bring it in this house. I don't want no more popcorn in here. Go give that popcorn. Go give it to some homeless. Like, go give that popcorn away. Don't bring it here. That's the same. With love. Like, when God starts lavishing his love on you, you're like, like, like I got to just go and give it. I, got, I, 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 I can't hold on to it because it's so much. You get into this fellowship and this way of walking with God where it's just so much and you're experiencing his love and you just want to share it with the world. This is what Paul was praying about. 
And so how do we do this? Got a few examples, and we will really go home. There must be a level of comprehension that says it's possible. We found that in verses 17 and 18. See, half of us don't believe that we can walk around in love like that all day long. You're the most loving person I've ever met in my life. We don't believe that we can walk in a way that people are drawn or attracted to the love of God on the inside of us. We don't believe it. We made a believe that one time we were ready in the word, we started trying to walk that way, and nobody ever kind of came close to it. And then we just said, that, 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 that's just like thinking out there. That's just like, that's just like spiritual folks think like that. Like There's no such thing as this kind of love. But if the Bible says it, I believe it. And just because we're living beneath our promises doesn't mean that the promise is still not there. It's important to God so much so, so much so that God became human. That's why we celebrate this season. It's so important to him that he, we show love that he became our example. Jesus said, if you look for God, look at me. And so he said, if you want to see a selfie of God, there he is. That's what Jesus did. And so we have to have this level of comprehension. You got to feel it in your shining eye, Emily. You got to feel it deep down in your shining eye. And once you get that, we have to allow Christ to abide in our hearts. And so how do we do that? We're going to go back to the basis of Christianity. We're going to go to Christianity one-on-one. We're going to go right to the bottom. Teaching and obedience. Teaching and obedience. Now, y'all may be saying, well, pastor, you just show up to church on Sunday. I'm not talking about my teaching. I'm talking about what Jesus taught. Jesus became master. He became school teacher. He became mentor. He became whatever you need him to be. He became that so that you can learn from him. He was talking in reference to the, uh, the Pharisees. He said, take my yoke upon you, because their yoke is quick. They, they, yoke, they tripping with their yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. What does he mean by that? Jesus wants you to mimic him. Some people might be saying, how do you mimic Jesus? Teaching. Where do we get this teaching from? We read the word. We read the word. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my. How many of us, and I'm just being really honest, how many of us have articulated what Jesus said? Like we went through, the, we, we went through if, you, if you got a Bible that writes it in red, you went to all the red in your Bible. And you look at what Jesus said. And you said to yourself, even if you don't understand it, listen, I need to comprehend this. I need, like, I need to apply this to my life. All these principles, all these teachings, I need to become conformed into this image. Because that's God's greatest will. The Bible says in Romans, it's his great will that we be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's where we get the word Christian from. It was first introduced as a derogatory term. They were like, oh, look at them little Christ. Look at them little Christ. Because they were allowing themselves to be tortured. They were being thrown to the lions. They were being used as light 
to light the city. And we can't go through no pressure. You see the way he gave me my money back when I paid? I, 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 you, get, you go to the gas station and you give them the money and they give it back to your room, you just persecuted. You just having a whole bad day. I work hard for this money. Don't you be throwing my money at me. And you all out of sorts. And that's okay because we're only human. No, we're little Christ. We're little Christ. That's the reason that the state of Christianity is what it is. Because we can't take no pressure. We can't take no kind of persecution. And I wonder if when we get to heaven, if we're going to talk to some of these first century Christians and say, man, what did what, you go through? Man, they came in my house one night, dude. They killed me and my whole family. And they, 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 they stuck a stick through me and stuck me up on a light pole and dipped me in tar and lit it a fire. I'm in the wrong section of heaven. <laughs> we don't know how to take no pressure. And so we need to learn from Jesus. We need to approach our life like Jesus is our very teacher. And not teach it like public education, go to school, turn it back, talk about a past note. No, I'm talking about first century teacher where, listen, where you lay your head, I lay my head. Where you go, I go. What you do, I do. We should start talking like Jesus. Not in King James. If you read the King James, don't talk like Jesus in King James. People think you're weird. We should start having some of the same experiences that we see in some of the people that we look up to in the Bible. There was a great book that I read a while ago. It's called The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. And his whole premise of the book is this. We look at some people like Paul and we go, oh, he was just a great super Christian. No, that's the normal Christian life. We look at our favorite bishops or people on TV and we follow their podcasts and we go, oh, they just anointed of God. No, that's just the normal Christian life. Some of them people you watch ain't the normal Christian life. Though, so I'm going to put that out there. You don't need to be watching. But that's what God expects from us. We hear testimonies sometimes. Oh, man, that's just so, I would never, no, no, that's just what God has wired us to do. And we got to make up in our mind that that's what we want to do. And I guarantee you, as you start doing the sanctification process, the love of God begins to just overtake you. We're praying for all this stuff, and we don't, we're praying for stuff that we ain't going to use. Christmas time, I know some of y'all. Y'all be getting y'all kids presents and you be sitting there saying, I ain't going to buy that for you. You ain't going to use it. You just saw the commercial. You just want it because everybody else got it. And it bears witness, right? How many people got Christmas presents this year that ain't been used since last year? Yes. (laughs) How many people got Christmas presents last year that ain't been used yet? And it's Christmas again. And oftentimes, I think we pray those prayers and we ask God, and God's like, listen, I'm not going to bless you with that because you ain't going to use it. Experience me, and then we'll talk about that other stuff. God, send the relationship. Experience me. If I send the relationship right now, you're going to mess that other person up. The way you is. And so, we sit under his teaching. We approach our life like that. Listen, 
make no illusions that Christian fellowship is not part of the teaching. It's not part of the process. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Did I give you that slide, Russ? I did not explain that. Clear off. There you go. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. They really don't take me out of that I hate that kind of deal. We should be stirring one another up to love and good works. When's the last time you stirred somebody to love? I don't even know what stirring somebody to love looks like. How you reckon I would do that, Pastor? Encouraging one another. Speaking life over one another. When somebody come at you with all day drama and a bag of goods, say, listen, hold on, time out, time out. That's not what I think you should be doing as a Christian brother and sister. Listen, let's turn this into love. How can we get love out of what's been input? In programming, see, this is, this is how I used to love programming. But see, in programming, you have to anticipate what people will put in. And if they put the wrong stuff in, you would throw an error message. But you have to anticipate it, right? And so when your Christian brother or sister come in and they just going in, they going like crazy, you need to be able to go, listen, no, 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 no. I love you. Listen, let's change the app. Let's do some error handling with that. Listen, this is what God would have us. And how about you speak? But we're not mature enough to do that because, like, we know we're not doing that. And why aren't we doing that? So So we got to get to a place, Mio, where we're not allowing our damaged hearts to our witness. We're not allowing our damaged hearts to not allow God to do what he needs to do inside of us. And so after we get to a place where we're following Jesus, hearing his word, we're obeying his word, after we get to a place where we're in Christian fellowship and allowing Christians, other Christians to stir us as well as stirring others, we have to, be, we have to persevere in it. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, abiding in his love. We have to abide in that place of love. Listen, church, here's your Christmas present today. I'm giving you a Christmas present. Make up in your mind this day that you're going to experience God's love. And what that means is you're going to allow all those damaged parts of your life to be touched. You're going to allow all those things in your heart, in your life, to be renewed. Don't make New Year's resolutions about it. Give it to Jesus. Well, I know I, I, I tend to do this because it was the way I was brought up. No, 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 no. Bring that to the altar. It's just the way I'm going to be. It was in my daddy. It's in my mama. And so it's going to be in me. No, 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 no. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. 
And when you do that, the, the love of God is present. And he's going to flood you with his experience. He's going to flood you with knowledge about what you should be doing in order to live. Listen, I've been praying for years to get over this temper. No, 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 no. Stop praying. Let's put a work in action. Reach out to somebody. Talk to a brother and sister. Hey, help me be accountable to this. Because I guarantee you, if I told you that if you change certain elements of your life, if you change certain things in your life, then you will be able to get this job that's paying a million dollars a year. Y'all be, just, I ain't disciplined. A million dollars a year? I can, I, I can get up at 5.30 a.m. I'm not a morning person. And so we have to understand why he came and what he's doing and that we're a part of that. And so it needs to be experienced by us than through us because we are a conduit to his love. And so on this Christmas Eve Eve, I pray that we're able to lay down our burdens. We're able to cast our cares upon him. We're able to give him what he wants. We're able to take upon his yoke. Yeah. So what are the takeaways this week? I know, it's, I know it's Christmas. I know it's Christmas for you all. I get it. This week. I want your prayer this week to be God. What are the areas of my life that, that, that are keeping, keeping me from experiencing your love? Like, really, spend time with God this week talking about that. What a perfect week to do it. Because you told me about your love. You came and tabernacled amongst us. You sent your precious spirit to dwell within me. And I'm, not, I'm still not experiencing it to the full. What's the roadblock, God? And I guarantee you, it's never God. It's never God. Is it bitterness? Is it unforgiveness? Is it fear? Is it low self-esteem? Is it insecurity? Is it lust? What is it? God, I need to know. Because it's the most important thing that you have right relationship God. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.